Seuraa. listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. The following podcast contains adult language, adult situations, and spoilers for the movies discussed occur often. You've been warned. Now, take it away, Dr. Rausch. They must be destroyed on sight! to They Must Be Destroyed on Sight, episode 299, and I'm your host, Lee. Dogs don't talk, Russell, and I am joined by my co-host, the lovely co-host with the mostest herself, Lee. <laughs> dogs don't stand on two legs, Hardy. How are you doing, ma'am? Unless they're human dogs. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Uh, I'm good. How are you? Excellent, excellent. Yeah, we're watching a movie that, actually, now that I think about it, one of the sort of movies we kind of bonded over years ago, we actually had like a date night when we watched this movie, was it not? I think? Yeah, it was uh, a recommendation from a friend. Mm, yeah, there we go. But yeah, we're going to be doing uh, Dogs Don't Wear Pants from 2019, a very uh, kinky, kinky movie. But before we get into that, uh, I'm just going to mention real quick, I've got two guest spots uh, that I recently had on uh, podcasts. I was on uh, our friend Vaughn's Motion Picture Massacre with uh, our friends uh, Bobby and Mike as well as special guests uh, covering... We're No Angels and Convoy Buddies, which were Italian Bud Spencer and Terrence Hill ripoff films. So, and that was a fun conversation. One of the films was really good. One of them was 
not so good. And you can uh, find out which one if you listen to that episode. And I was also a guest on the Movie Melt podcast recently doing their Halloween episode. And they have tradition now called Squatchtober, where they, they watch Bigfoot movies in October. Or they try to, anyway. At least try to get one or two in. And we did a really terrible kind of kids movie called Little Bigfoot 2, which I think we had more fun ripping apart than actually talking about any merits it might have. But also another entertaining episode. And I mean, if you haven't listened to Movie Melt, it's a whole show. Like, it's it's not just talking about the movie. There's all kinds of other stuff going on. It's, it's like listening to a variety show on the radio or something like that. So, uh, good stuff. All funny. Check it out. The links will be down <laughs> in the show notes. And was, uh, those are good notes. Yeah, Perfect. yeah, yeah. Now we can talk about what we've watched uh, lately, and uh, I'll throw over to you first, there, Lee. Do you mm. remember what movie I watched last night? Um, oh, was it uh, the one of Natasha Leone? Yes. Um, All about evil. There we go. All about Found evil. It. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I was trying to remember the name because I'm like, that's the last one I watched. Yes, so that is with uh, Natasha Lyonne, as we discussed already. Mm -hmm. And it also has Elvira in it with Elvira getup. So just Cassandra (laughs) Peterson. Yes, just standard her, which was kind of, okay, so they make a comment about that in the movie. Mm -hmm. And it's actually pretty hilarious because like, her son says that he has a crush on an older woman and he has a poster of Elvira on the wall. <laughs> and, he, and she's like, how much older? And they like point at the poster. <laughs> nice. And it's just like that hilarious moment where she's like, she's not Elvira right now, but Elvira was there. Mm-hmm. Was there. Also, Peach's Christ is on there. So it's a, a drag queen that's mm-hmm. uh, known amongst the horror community. Uh, she was one of the first guest judges on uh, Dragula. So okay, she's yeah. kind of a in that like punk horror scene. Like she's in that. Mm-hmm. So okay, so movie is cheesy as hell. Like mm-hmm. so cheesy. The acting is over the top. It is entirely ridiculous. Um, I loved it. <laughs> I thought it was just perfectly comical. Uh, it didn't take it to itself seriously at all. There's like the most hilarious scene where the guillotine like chops off some boobs instead of the head because they couldn't get her head in the, the guillotine. Oh, yeah. 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 I just something that's so over the top stupid. I just, I don't know. I loved it. Um, and then Tasha <laughs> Leon making out with that really old guy. Oh, my God. <laughs> that, was, that was a harder to watch, but it was kind of funny because she had this like god complex about her. So. Mm. It just made sense that she was like in control of this person. So, oh yeah, if yeah. I, I just if, if, if if I had a god god complex, I'd be doing nothing but making out with old men. That's exactly what I'd do. I love the twins that were in it and the guy. The, guy the twins are helped. yeah. The twins are really good in that. Yeah. So, <laughs> if people haven't checked that one out, it's actually a really fun slasher movie that, like Lee says, doesn't take itself too seriously. It's like pretty pretty in jokey pretty in the know and but in a way that that works really well it's not like it's not like so in the know that it's annoying or whatever you know it's really stupid like mm-hmm. it's just really stupid and uh i thought it was great um i also so i watched try to think like last time i was on the podcast was a while ago so. yeah it's been a few episodes yeah yeah i'm back home doing this mm-hmm. episode so it's nice it's the first one where i've been back home 
Give me a second. I'm just pulling up my list here. Yeah. Uh, so I also watched um, Tomorrow Never Dies. Okay. Yep. I had to watch a James Bond movie with my dad before I left. And uh, that's one of my top favorite of the Bond franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just really like the lead female. I think she's entirely badass and awesome in that movie. And it's the whole time, too. And there's never that, like, pathetic moment of the, oh, James. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's straight up, like, just kick ass the whole movie. Like, she's she saves his ass. He saves her ass. Like, it's just a, a mutual helping each other. Which uh, I think is like totally cool, and I love the idea. Like the guy who plays the the Bond villain, it's just such a cool concept. Where the guy's like, "Okay, cool, I'm gonna make this happen. Like I'm gonna make the news happen. So something mm-hmm. that's gonna make my news outlet more popular, and I'm gonna get first view, is because I made it happen." So yeah, he's a very um, he's a very Rupert Murdochy kind of <clears throat> like modern take on a on a villain, where it's like. And I, I know, I know, like James Bond movies, they tend to get pushback sometimes when when the villain is like less, like sinister mastermind and more like kind of a oh he's a businessman or something like that, you know. But I, I like it. Like I like that that villain. I, I like the uh, the less masculine, aggressive uh, dude who's in Quantum of Solace, who just is like a e- eco terrorist or or whatever or whatever the fuck he was doing. And I, I know I know those those type of villains get pushed back. But I, I like it. I like variety in my Bond I do movies. Too. I, yeah. I think I think there's too many like really conservative. Uh, Bond fans when it comes to like the structure of those films that just kind of really piss me off when realistically like if you go through all the ball and Bond villains like all throughout the years there was such a variety of them there's never been um kind of your standard Bond villain like there was the two guys like the couple oh yeah uh, Kid and Wint or whatever Diamonds Are Forever yeah 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 like they were hilarious like they were these two businessmen who are just like, let's keep trying. <laughs> just, <laughs> just awesome, like perfectly monotone and hilarious. Yeah. I, yeah, I already said hilarious, but I just loved it. I thought they were they were great uh, Bond villains and um, Jaws, mm-hmm. the iconic Jaws. Like, yeah, yeah. Funny because you see him now and he doesn't look that tall, like compared to back in the day. There wasn't. <laughs> I mean. I just mean when you see all these other people that they've used for villains now or like other movies now, you it's, see him and he's like, well, he's not that much taller and he's not that much bigger or muscular. Like when you have like Batista, who's like, well, yeah, and I don't know. It's not anything bad. It's just with the times. It just, yeah, no, yeah, Batista, Batista's built like a, like he's as wide as he's tall, kind of almost, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but yeah, and, and Batista's kind of just like a, a roided up version of um uh what's robert shaw from uh from russia with love like because i mean he that fight that he has with bond directly kind of references the fight in the train in from russia with love so but yeah yeah no jaws jaws is still you know jaws still works and it kind of also depends on what bond you put him against too right because some of the bonds were much shorter but uh i think i think roger moore might have been the tallest bond if if i'm not mistaken like he's he's pretty tall so i do not remember i could not tell you i'm not like it doesn't make a difference of mm. like it's just funny to laugh it's funny to see that cuz there's a lot of those things where someone who is meant to be like big and tough like looked big and tough, especially mm-hmm. back in the day. Now you see it, and it just 
just doesn't hit as well. Like, it's just not there. I'm not saying Jaws still looks like huge. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. It's just he's not as intimidating as he was like when I saw him when I was a kid. Like just because of everything else that's gone on and all these other. Yeah, I mean he's he's happened. not a he's not a big muscular guy. He's just a tall guy. No. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Um, just still awesome. I just I love the the creativity with the different Bond villains. I also watched uh, Skyfall, which uh, is definitely one of my favorites. Like that's mm-hmm. definitely one of my top ones. Love me my Skyfall. dad watched Goldeneye without me. Oh really? What? So a, disappointed. You disowned him, right? Yeah, I was in the process of doing lesson plans. My dad's like, "I have Golden Eye on right now." I'm like, "Sorry, Dad, <laughs> I gotta do lesson plans." So I didn't get to watch Golden Eye with my dad, and he watched. I watched Quantum of Solace with him as mm-hmm. well, and he watched Golden Eye and another one without me. I can't remember. I think it might have Casino Rail. Oh really? So he's watching yeah. all the good ones without you. Well, what, what, what's he doing? I do like Quantum of Solace. It's a yeah. it's an action packed movie. I know it's less popular, but it's like a, a shorter movie that's just entirely action packed. So, yeah, no, I'm I'm a I'm a defender of that that film. I, I like it quite a bit. So, yeah. So, so um, fuck you, James Bond fans. I hate it. I think that was it for James Bond movies that I watched. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We watched a ton. Like, we had the chance to watch a ton of movies. So for Halloween, I watched Amityville Horror. Okay, the original one? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I remember when I first watched it, I thought it was an awesome movie. Uh, I watched it again, and I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not saying it's a terrible movie. I'm just saying it's very drawn out. It's very long. It's kind of... Especially when you watch like other like haunting movies and stuff like that around that period and compare it, it it's actually it doesn't like there's some iconic things about it. Like I I still think that house looks creepy as fuck. Like that's yeah. used really well and stuff. And they but, rescue the dog. Yeah, there's better movies from that period that are contemporary to it that are just a few years later or whatever. I'd, I'd say the Changeling is like way more effective. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah, that is the top horror movies. It's just so well done, perfectly creepy. It doesn't rely on special effects. It doesn't rely on anything. It just it's it's just done. Like just the mood and perf- just mood and performances and yeah yeah and George like the directing is amazing. The editing is amazing. Mm-hmm. The cinematography, all of it, everything is tie five on that one. Um, okay, yes. So sorry, I have watched a bunch of movies now. Looking back, um, I watched uh, Kill Boxing, Bill Kill Boxing. Which, what is what is that? Kill Boxoon. Okay. So it's almost like kind of a, a bit of a, a take on Kill Bill. Okay. Oh, okay. I I think I know what you're talking about. It's like a so this is like what country is that from? Do you know offhand? It says it's directed by Bayun Sung Hyun. Okay. Probably. Okay, man. I'm I'm, I'm thinking I'm thinking of something different, but. Um, so can, you doesn't doesn't matter. So you're saying it's it's a it's kind of referencing Kill Bill in a, in a way, right? It's like a very short way. It's it's girl who her friend gets killed. So sorry, she's a, a bodyguard, and one of the people that she was a bodyguard for, mm-hmm. and that she bonded with, gets killed. And oh, you, so oh she, yeah, you you told me about this one. Yeah, did you talk about this one on the podcast before? I, I think I told you, you about it. I might have. I, there was a lot of movies I watched, and I think this was <laughs> similar to another one that I watched. So, 
because I'm pretty sure I'm I'm on the side of like things that I haven't told you yet. Okay. But I could be entirely wrong and just repeating. Doesn't matter. Keep going. Um, Korean. Korean. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's a Korean movie. Yeah. Okay. So um, it is disappointing as hell because it is it has this like really good opening scene where you're like oh yeah this is gonna be badass like i'm so excited like there's mm-hmm. the first scene it's just the fight with like these cans and then it's just nothing comes of it just tapers off very quickly and again it's still going um i also watched casper casper yeah. with with macaulay culkin is it, it- it's not Michael Culley Cooking. No, it's um, it's no, it's with um uh Wednesday. The girl plays Wednesday. Um, oh, Christina Ricci, yeah. Okay, okay, I oh I was thinking um I think I think Macaulay Culkin was in what, Richie Rich or something back in the day? Yes. There's, yes, yeah. there's that there's that joke that Casper is Richie Rich's ghost, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's what it yeah. was. Yeah. Yeah, that cartoon. Yeah, that like, I remember the comic book. I never watched the movie. I just remember the comic book because I remember like reading Archie and used to advertise that. Um, anyways, I watched Casper. It's it's a heartwarming, cute movie. Like I watched it with my dad. He wanted to watch it, and I was like, "Perfect, let's watch it." Um, there's probably others out there. I think I named it off. But you were thinking last one I remember I mentioned was Ballerina. Yes, it. Yeah. Yeah, this is a different one. It's similar idea. Just. Um, Ah, just misses a mark. That's all. It just, uh, I, I think if there's people who enjoy like more storyline versus action, they might appreciate it. But I'm action over storyline. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, I got four I'll mention real quick here. Try to try to do it quickly. Uh, I just watched The Killer uh, from David Fincher, 2023, just premiered on Netflix. Michael Fassbender film. He plays the titular killer. Uh, it's a hitman film. So, like, if, if you've seen like a, a hitman film in your day you've probably seen most hitman films in a way because they kind of all have the same kind of tropes to them it's like oh hitman top of their game they have rules they of course eventually break a rule here and there or something like that and that gets them in hot trouble and they got to run away from their employers they get double crossed by their employers or whatever and they try to kill them and shit so there's all there's all kinds of those elements in this it's very much the like the tropes of a usual uh, hitman film, but it's just done high quality, beautiful filmmaking, incredibly acted. Just everybody in it is fucking great. The action scenes are, you, you honestly, I'm, I'm kind of thinking you wouldn't like it, League, just because the action scenes are like a little few and far between. It's very <laughs> much, it's very much more a mood piece. Um, Am I but, that predictable? <laughs> Well, I don't I don't know. I've known you for I've known you for quite a while now and I feel like I know you pretty well, but I keep fucking up when it comes to like my ideas and what you will like and not like on movies. I, I find more often than not you surprise me. So um maybe you would like this a lot. I don't know. It I mean it leave you on your toes. <laughs> yeah. I mean it's basically it's a procedural, right? So you're like watching this guy like he gets like he fucks up a job and the consequences of that are his handlers subcontract out to other people to clean up the mess basically get rid of the evidence and what that means is basically make sure he's dead 
So, uh, you know, even if some of the people at top don't quite realize that's what's going to happen, that's that's in, is essentially the directive that happens. And so they go looking for him. They find his girlfriend and, like, beat her into a coma, basically. And he does, he comes back, discovers her and her condition. Uh, she's just barely hanging on. And he's like, well, fuck this. I'm going to get revenge. So he, you know, he hunts. It's, it's basically almost like a detective movie in a way, too, because... He's kind of like following the clues and, and, you know, getting information out of people and shit. Uh, but he just also happens to be a cold-blooded killer who, like, basically kills these people after he gets the information out of them because they're all connected to this, right? So I liked it a lot, and it, it didn't end the way I thought it was going to end because most of these movies kind of end in a predictable way, and it, it didn't quite end in the predictable way I thought it was going to end. So uh, I thought it was well worth the time, and I really liked it. Um Especially for like a you know a Netflix exclusive movie, a lot of them are hit or miss. This one's a hit as far as I'm concerned. Next one I'll mention: The Equalizer Three, uh, also from this year. Anton Fuqua directed. Denzel Washington. Have you seen any of these Equalizer movies with Denzel Washington? No. Okay. So like it's based on an old uh, TV series from the like 80s late 80s early 90s some somewhere around there uh starring edward woodward who was the uh, virgin who gets roasted in the wicker man the virgin cop who uh, spoilers for people who haven't seen the wicker man he dies at the end but uh it was, it was a decent tv series and basically he was just like an ex special forces guy who puts his skills to to use on the street as a vigilante like helping people in need and stuff in his local community and so like the first two movies kind of follow that kind of uh a pattern um, where he's in the U.S. and he's just kind of like semi-retired and he's like doing like rescue jobs and and like uh, beating up gangsters and shit like that. He's got almost a superpower. He's He's got this skill where his like his timing is so perfect. Like he can predict what's going to happen and he can time out everything that's going to happen before it happens. And then he basically does it and that's his action scenes where... It's like uh, nine seconds or whatever, and then I'm going to do this and do this and do this, and he fucks people up majorly. Honestly, I think Denzel Washington, out of all the these old great actors who like decide I'm going to do action movies now, Liam Neeson doing Taken and shit like that, I think Denzel Washington comes off much more authentic and believable than a lot of the other ones because he's just, he just plays it, he downplays it so much. Like he's he's just so likable and quiet and. That he explodes into like these moments of violence. Uh, this one's really good. This one is set in Italy. Uh, like he he goes over there for a job. He gets hurt, and uh, while he's recuperating in Italy, he you know he starts doing his thing. He starts liking the local town he's in. Uh, he runs into Italian uh, mobsters who are like. Uh, trying to you know rough up the town and extort the town and people in the town and shit and he's like well fuck this i'm gonna fuck these people up <laughs> and he does and he does and it's really good i think the fact that it takes it and puts it in in italy just like freshens it up a lot and the the pacing of it and everything it's very much more like an old um gunfighter movie or an old samurai movie or something like that it's much more uh meditative on what he does and the consequences of what he does and what his life actually means and if he can find redemption for all the bad things he might have done in his past and shit. It's, it's, it's pretty good. I, I really liked it, and it kind of just reminds me of like all these European crime films I like from the like 70s and 80s that 
aren't necessarily great, but there's something about the fact that they're in Europe and just the scenery and the mood and the tone like elevates them. And I feel like this one is elevated by, by those things. And it's actually the best in the series. I think it's, I think this is supposed to be the last one in the series. And if it is like they, they ended as their strongest point. So, uh, I really like that one. And then I'll mention two schlocky things really quick that, that I did. Um, uh, one of these ones was for my, uh, 31 days of horror that I, I did in, uh, in October. This is called Island Claws from 1980, uh, directed by Herman Cardenas. And I think he was a one-time director. I think this was kind of like a vanity project where he's like, I, I got a bunch of money and I want to make a movie. And so I'm going to make that movie I want to make, uh, you know, kind of like lifelong dream kind of thing. And, um, it is a movie about uh radioactive material or whatever mutating crabs <laughs> um or actually it's not radioactive well actually it's a combination of uh scientists using like genetic testing to like grow bigger crabs to solve world hunger okay and and radiation uh from a nearby nuclear plant uh making the crabs even bigger and more aggressive so there is precisely one giant crab in this film. The okay. rest of the rest of the crabs you see are pretty big, but they're just normal crabs. It's it's just like hey, you know these big meaty crabs you get in like these these areas and stuff or whatever. The uh, actors are all sort of tasked with looking really scared uh, of these little crabs on the ground, like running around, like oh no, they're coming at me, kind of thing. Like there's a lot of that going on, but the giant crab is always kind of lurking in the background and you see like little flashes of its claw and stuff here and there. And as people start getting killed and then eventually you get the reveal of the crab and it is immobile, but amazing. It looks so good. It like all the money went to this crab. It's a giant eight foot fucking tall crab they wheel it like its legs don't really necessarily move but its claws and stuff kind of do and the eyes look really fucking good the stalks coming out of the shell and everything and then there's all this like it's attacking them and shit and this our group of heroes and everything it, it kind of plays like a tv movie in a way like it looks like kind of how tv movies sort of looked back in the day very flat lighting very um uh sort of structured shooting and everything, but I really liked it. Like, it's very charming. It's, it, there's all this drama between the central characters and stuff for most of the movie. Uh, a lot of it doesn't get paid off, but I don't really care because in real life, most people's stories don't get paid off, quote unquote. People just live and have shit happen and they die. You know, and that's kind of what this movie is like. And I kind of really liked it. And I think it's kind of a hidden gem. And then also, if you just like big monster movies, it kind of pays off at the end because that crab looks fucking awesome. I, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> like, it's just... And, it, like, it, the, the fact that it's immobile actually kind of sells the reality of it because a crab that big would not be able to walk. So <laughs> it would not be moving quick. So, uh, like, I, I kind of... It just makes it feel more real, honestly. And the last thing I'll mention... Uh, this is one of the movies uh, I showed our friends uh, last night when I had a movie night. Uh, the Hidden from 1987, directed by Jack Shoulder. 
Um, this is starring uh, Kyle MacLachlan, who of Twin Peaks fame and uh, Blue Velvet fame and uh, some other David Lynch stuff. Um, it is a alien jumping in different bodies movie, but it's an action movie at the same time. It's it starts out with this guy committing like these heinous bank robberies and stuff. He's on this like murder spree and shit, and he's just carelessly like no cares in the world, like going around gunning people down, robbing banks, shooting shit up. Big car chase at the start. I, actually, I think you'd like this movie a lot. I, I still have it on my hard drive. I, f I have a feeling we should watch it together because I think you'll really like it. But the thing is, is he is he is inhabited by this alien slug thing, which is appropriately really gross when you finally see it. They, they spent some money on making it look really good. But it's basically just jumping bodies. And uh, every time it uses up a body, it jumps into a new one and just takes it for a joyride, basically. This alien's just committing crimes on our planet, taking it for, for a joyride. This cop is following the case, and he's joined by Kyle McLaughlin, who is this weirdo who claims he's from the FBI and who's on the case. But he's, you know, I'll spoil this because it's not really a spoiler. He's a space alien, and he's been, he's been, tracking, <laughs> he's been tracking this parasite from like and from planet to planet and finally ended up here tracking it and uh it's just like a chase down the fucking alien slug thing it's kind of like i don't i don't remember if you watched that movie with us or not uh the i come in peace uh dark angel one. Oh, we're doing a double feature so. we're doing I, a double um, we're doing a double feature night then uh, at some point my issue with like the group watches is that I get distracted extremely easily. So yeah. even if I did watch it, most shit highly, li highly likely I did not pay attention to it. Yeah, well, I don't. I, yeah, I don't think you were there. So like, I think we'll some night when you have some time when when you're not super busy. But uh, it, it'll make a good double feature with I Come in Peace, I think, because both those movies are very similar. It's like alien cop comes down to find alien criminal that's like running around and be bewildering the human cops. And it's pretty good. But like like this alien in The Hidden, it jumps from body to body until finally at one point it ends up in like a really beautiful stripper and, and uh, played by Claudia Christensen. And she just like starts gunning people down and shit, and it's a lot of fun. Like it's nonstop action, pretty much. Sounds like my kind of movie. It, I think it really very much is. Uh, so yeah, but yeah, we're gonna take a quick break. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Chatty Kathy over here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. Sometimes, uh, sometimes I have some stuff to talk about. Um, <laughs> oh, it's all good. Yeah, but uh, yeah, uh, Lady Lear and I are gonna do this. Let's get naked and smoke. And then we'll come. Then we'll come back and uh, talk about. Jesus Christ! Dogs don't wear pants. <laughs> Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Ah, necrophilia. Ah, it's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema Psyops is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, prudes. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. 
I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of it. unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you should be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything that kept little popping up. Little history doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you, you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was How did you watch one. this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. That always makes me laugh, so... Yeah. <laughs> I just love it. <laughs>
Yeah, no, I, I feel like I feel like uh, Court has the perfect podcast trailer. Oh my god, it's just uh, it's so perfect. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Dogs don't wear pants. Twenty nineteen. This is uh, directed by, and I'm not playing playing the trailer because it's all in Finnish. So uh, <laughs> I don't know how what? many fi- people don't understand Finnish. I don't. I don't know how many Finnish uh, listeners we have, um, but probably none. If you're out there, let us know, Finland. We love you. But this is directed by, and I don't know if this is correct because. This is like, I guess, a Finnish translation to English. J minus P. So I assume that's just still JP. JP. Minus P. <laughs> yeah, there's a minus sign, right? A, like a, a hyphen or a minus sign, like uh, by the P. Like it's literally on IMDb. I'm not making this up. So. Oh my God. I have to Google this now. <laughs> yeah. But uh, JP Valkapa. Who has um, directed a handful of things? Uh, he's had a pretty nice little career going on. Uh, he's also done uh, The Visitor and uh, They Have Escaped and uh, something called Hit Big. Seems like he's he does a bunch of different stuff. Like he he very versatile looking director. A lot of different subject matter going on with his stuff. Um, this is written by uh, Juhana Lum who uh, wrote and directed several short films and directed them himself and edited them oh, himself. I just checked it really quickly, and I think it's just how IMDb had it, like edited it, because oh. in another spot it just says JP. Oh, okay. So IMDb fucked that up. That's fine. Um, but, but JP Val, uh, Valkapa also um, wrote on this as well. <laughs> And we have a little cast list here. Uh, Pekka Strang as Juha. 64 acting credits. Been pretty busy. Uh, he's done other stuff like The Knocking, something called Helsinki Mansplaining Massacre, which is, I guess, some sort of sort of parody short horror thing. Um, then a, just a lot of stuff in Finnish that I have no idea. Krista... No, I don't speak Finnish. I'm sorry. You didn't learn Finnish for this episode? No, I didn't. I what 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 can what can I tell you? You know, I just sometimes I'm on my game and sometimes I should just, you know Shut up, bitch! (laughs) Yeah, sometimes I should just do that. But we have uh Krista Kosunen as Mona. She has 47 credits. She was in she was in the finished version of Saturday Night Live. Uh, oh, for for a okay. year, yeah, and she has a bit part in Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and then the rest of her stuff's finished, and I don't know. Then we have uh, Ilona Huta as Ellie, Yanni uh, Volanen as Polly, Una Ariola as Satu. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, 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 <laughs> it's, it might not be pronounced that, but it it basically <laughs> is spelled Ariola. <laughs> That's a name. I like yeah. that name. And that's the uh, that's the uh, music teacher that uh, he hooks up with briefly. Um, then we have uh, Arola. <laughs> no, it's A I R O L A. Yeah, Arola. Arola. Well, Arola. I, I just I just I didn't write it as. Areola. Oh, maybe. Okay, I fucked that up. <laughs> 
Goddamn. <laughs> like, I, don't, I, I know I'm not pronouncing it properly, but it doesn't look like <laughs> Damn. I think I, I think I just, you know, um, this, this movie's, <laughs> this movie's got me thinking about body parts, maybe, I don't oh, know. <laughs> uh, anyway, Mrs. Ariel is, yeah, um, Lilaris Antilla as, I'm not even going to bother, and Esther Gizalarova as, uh, Viamo. And she's got 51 credits. I don't remember who that person is in this movie. There you go. <laughs> she's just laughing. She's muted right now. She's laughing at me. You're terrible. You need to stop. You need to just, like... It's why I muted myself, so I interrupt you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's been a while since I've had this many foreign names to struggle with. I'm just, like... It's, <laughs> it's not I'm the just... fact, like... It's why I absolutely accept the fact that, like... I won't. I, I'll massacre their names too. It's just. <laughs> I saw this. I saw this whole list, and I was all. And in the back of my head, I was just like this. Oh man! Oh god! 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 <laughs> That's how it was. Areola. <laughs> I mean, yeah. No, when 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 I saw Areola, I was like, the. Are they pornographic photos? Yes, but good ones. Yeah, that's that's what it was like. Um, but anyway, I have a synopsis here. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, no, it's fine. It's it's fine. I get it. I get it. I I fucked up. Um. So, uh, Juha has lost his wife in a tragic drowning accident. Years after, he still feels emotionally paralyzed and unable to connect with people. Meeting a dominatrix named Mona changes everything, leading them both down a wild and crazy path towards emotional enlightenment. That's not a bad, that's not, not a bad synopsis. I think that's pretty good. So, when we first watched this, was that the first time you had watched it as well? Or had you seen it before? I can't remember. I'm pretty sure it was the first time watched, because I remember... Saying that my friend recommended it. Mm -hmm. Fuck, I don't it was remember. Like, I, I can't remember if it was this one or if it was a different one. And we watched we watched it for the first time in what? Uh, we've known each other since 2020-ish, right? That's right. And then probably, this is probably what, 2021 maybe that we watched this together? First time, I think? So. I think? Yeah. I think so. Possibly, maybe. I don't know. Mm, I don't know. Trying to make me remember things. Jeez, I, don't know. I have a Whatever. terrible memory. But yeah, what what are your uh, just sort of general thoughts on this, Lee? Okay, so the name of the movie, the fact that it's on Shutter, uh -huh. and how like even the cover of it, like the the picture that you see for it, I thought this was going to be some sort of like really weird kinky horror movie. Mm -hmm. And it's not a horror movie. Uh, I understand why it's on Shutter because it has kind of that like. A little bit odd. I'd say there's like parts of it that are horror adjacent. Like yeah. there's there's moments that are kind of horror-ish, right? Like even then, like even those moments are not technically horror. It's just uh, they're just different. Like it's very alternative. Like it's not your usual type of movie. It's not usually mm -hmm. you. So I can see why Shutter has it because it makes sense. Shutter, while tends to be a horror uh, platform they also just take the alternative kind of movies that 
yeah. are rejected from like regular society, societal like normal movies. Mm-hmm. Sure, words. Regardless of that, like when you watch it for the first time, it does kind of take you on a journey. So you don't expect it at all. Like I said, I was totally expecting some sort of like horror movie, some weird kink horror movie, like anything. Like it was just that is what I expected. And then what I got was this like wholesome, warm, weirdly involved in BS BDSM movie. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> I just said Angel Pop Red. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so it's it was very unexpected for me. Like it, the whole story, like when you watch the movie for the first time, um, it's very unexpected. It is so weird how this movie is just so heartwarming at the end. Like I don't even understand how this happens. Like it goes from this really weird kinky movie where the guy almost dies from trying to relive his um, time with his wife. Mm-hmm. To him at a kink bar, <laughs> dancing and smiling with the the dominatrix, who's like, "Hey, check you out!" Like yeah. it was just this weirdly adorable ending. Like I don't even know how to explain it. Like it was just such a strange movie that had a really good storyline, was extremely well done, and um, while they used BDSM as the way to kind of uh, direct the story it made sense mm-hmm. so as weird as it was as unusual as it was it was good it was extremely well done yeah so this is the second time I've seen it from the initial first time that we watched it together and you know first time we watched it together we are you know talking back and forth and having fun with it so wasn't paying as much attention to it although I liked it a lot when we first watched it I liked it even more this time and, and you're right, like, you know, sometimes movies end up on Shudder where you go, like, why is this here? Especially when you watch it and you're like, this isn't a horror movie. But, like, yeah. I think I think there's enough in it where it, when it opens, there's these t- tones of, like, happiness with, like, you know, you know the initial, our main character, um, uh, Juha, with his, with his wife and his daughter, and they're at the, like, cabin or whatever at the lake. And it seems all peaceful and sort of, tranquilic and whatever and then the tragedy happens where she gets caught in a net and drowns and the daughter comes up crying to him who was like laying on the bed sleeping he runs down to try to save her and he almost drowns but he gets saved at the last minute so he gets traumatized by this to the point where it informs a sexual kink for him going forward but he's not a hundred percent in the know on this yet like it's it's kind of deeply embedded in his psyche Um, okay that scene at the beginning when he gets rescued from the boat and you have the fish that's gasping for air air mm -hmm. and he's gasping for air that was so cool like that was just such a small idea that had so much of an impact on it like when you got watch the movie this film is just like chock full of, full of like just really nice shots and looks really good it's, it's so just, simply like it, there's nothing complex about this movie visually mm-hmm. but everything that's done is done so well yeah so you know he, he does he doesn't initially know so the whole the whole uh thing here is that juha doesn't know initially how hard he needs to get with his kink for him to 
And and it's not even so much about him getting off. It's it's about like he enters this sort of hallucinogenic state when he gets asphyxiated, um, where he starts seeing his wife from underwater, and so like like he has hints early on that he's kind of knowing where he's supposed to go with this, but he it's not until he meets the dominatrix that he actually discovers where he needs to go with this. Uh, Cause like there's that initial scene where he's got like his wife's dress over his head mm-hmm. and he's spraying himself with her perfume, I assume and jerking off. Right. But once he meets the dominatrix Mona and she assaults him basically, cause he was like checking out her, that that spiky that spiky ass gimp suit. I've never seen a gimp suit like that before. I was like, whoa, okay. Um, There's some that, very interesting. Things yeah, I, I was like, that seems prohibitive for <laughs> for the dominatrix. But uh, okay, um, but but he's checking that out, and then like Mona doesn't know who he is. She, I guess, she kind of assumes he's like some creep or something at first, and like. She hits him with her fucking riding crop right on the hand and like fucks up his thumb. And Isn't that, starts... that's when she got that's when she stepped on him with the heel. Yeah, she's yeah, she steps oh, is that when when that's happened? when he fucks oh. up his like thumbnail? Yeah, oh, okay. so that's um when cause he brings his daughter to get her tongue pierced. Yeah. And it's a tattoo place at the bottom of the stairs, there's a uh dominatrix. It's a one-stop shop, right? It's like you can get your tattoos, you can get your piercings, and you can get your kink. Yeah. So, I feel I feel like Finland is a very progressive place. I that's what I need. When I go get my tattoos or my piercings, I need to like have a place to relax afterwards. So he, like yeah, the the, 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 the bit. Let's do it. Yeah, the woman because she because her do- his daughter is going to get her her tongue piercing. And the and the person giving the piercing is like, you need to get out of here. That's too cramped. He's like, okay. She's like, just go to the other room. There's a coffee machine. You can wait. And he just wanders off into the fucking kinkster dungeon. Yeah, and that's <laughs> yeah. when she starts to beat him up. And mm-hmm. then he they hear uh, his daughter call for him. Yeah. So she gets up and steps on his thumb with her that's, nail. That's it, yeah, yeah. Oh, with her, her heels, sorry. Uh, on his nail with her heels. But... But the thing is... Oh my is, god, but he picks off that nail. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, and that's not even the worst part of this movie when it comes to, like, graphic scenes. But he... That's where he learns... That's where he connects with his with his kink, right? To an extent, because, like, she so chokes is, him out with the riding crop. And that's where he learns, like, oh, shit, I need to be choked out to get so closer. this is, like, a really interesting thing because he has this like weird sexual awakening when he's mm-hmm. there but it's such a weird connection because like the whole movie is basically him trying to uh connect with his wife again so his kink is is based on him connecting with his wife yeah he goes to extreme lengths to be able to have that um vision and that fantasy in that kind of um do, do you state do you think he thinks it's a fantasy though like i got the feeling that he's kind of convinced that he's actually crossing over like between life and death when that happens and like seeing his wife at least I, initially right 
think well because it is it's not it's not really happening right it's just his own mind but i think um it's it's, what's really interesting because i think there's that level of like he doesn't want to die Mm -hmm. but he's willing to go as far as it takes to 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 have that attachment again right because he hasn't let go of her like that's the biggest thing is that he's living in a whole yeah, this whole moment, like he disconnects from everybody because mm-hmm. he's like he's chasing the dragon. So it's like you get that high for the first time. Yeah. He wants that feeling again. He wants that connection again. He wants to connect with his wife in this uh, completely um, this 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 underwater scene that's playing like Minecraft music. It's not like hypnotic state. It's like a it, it's a, a it's a hallucination. Hallucination. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, so it's just, I don't know, it's just, it's written so well, because, like, you see him, it's almost like an addiction, so it's, like, instead of playing with drugs, because usually you see this kind of stuff, it's, like, people who have drugs, right? Mm -hmm. But this is a guy who experiences with being um, suffocated or choked, and that's his, that's how he gets off, like, the closer he is to passing out. And dying, the, the the better it is for him, and he just wants to be really, really choked out, like choked real good. Yeah. And then it was just that moment of everything he went through, like stalking the fucking dominatrix, to the point where she's like, "I'm gonna fuck you up," like that's it, I'm gonna fuck you up, and he's like, "Cool, fuck me up, but you have to choke me after." Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's so, willing to go. He's willing to go to like any extreme he has to to get back to that place where like he's connecting with his dead wife and yeah like she's like i want to pull a tooth out (laughs) i'm just gonna pull your tooth out is that cool i'm gonna pull your tooth out Mm -hmm. and obviously he hesitates at first but then (laughs) see this 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 enters this enters and like i i have some questions for you that i wanted to like bounce off you on this i i I assume it's just good time to get into this so the mona character the dominatrix mm-hmm. so it's obvious in the movie she's attracted to juha as well like she immediately kind of almost immediately kind of like starts feeling some attractive attraction to him for some reason and we see that in her real life you know outside the dominatrix stuff which is in a way for her kind of cosplaying like that's you know that's her that's her nightlife that's her that's her sexual life that's that's uh it's part of her but it's also kind of like she seems to keep it very separate she's a physiotherapist of some sort right like she's like helping people with like back issues and and shit like that like she's doing a lot of that work she's 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 very much in touch with like and she seems like a a healer and she's very much she seems to really like really good at her job She's she's definitely you know very empathetic and and seems like she's very um, very warm uh, when she's doing that, um, and then the dominatrix thing is like a whole other disassociative side of her where she kind of puts that aside and is trying to be as hard as as violent as she can in in her kind of her dominatrix side, and then she meets Juha who is willing to like be suffocated to the point where his heart fails and it almost feels like a challenge to her like she's 
she she feels it, it, I I don't know like I'm I'm kind of like asking you like she is she attracted to like the challenge of being pushed harder than she ever previously had in her in her dominatrix you know side of her life or, or like what's going on with her because she it, it almost seems like a pushback on like the healer side of her where and at first I was thinking okay she's healing this guy in a different way but. She seems like she's equally going out of control in a way uh, when she's pushed to, like, you know, pulling his tooth out and shit like that and, and like, suffocating almost to death. It seems like there's a, there's a duality there between the two characters where they're both being pushed to extremes that they had never known before. Um, I got the feeling that she was just as uh, empty as he was. Because you see when she changes from job to job, like, she's just, there's no emotion in her face. There's no nothing. Like, she's very um, flat. Yeah. Um, and I think she just has disconnected herself from reality in general. Like, she's just, she's on autopilot, just living life day by day. This is what she does. This is who she is. Like, so whether it's not, like, it's... um she enjoys her dominatrix side, but she's kind of ashamed of it. Or okay. she just is tired of having to hide that side of her. Because mm-hmm. you see, she goes to lengths to not be recognized, and she's two entirely different people. Yeah. So it could just be like the exhaustion of like having to be two different people. And um, it also could just be like, I, th- I see it as well as she has to limit herself, right? Mm-hmm. So every time she does anything, it's according to like what they want. So it's never just like this guy who's bugging her. I kind of changed my theory now. Sorry, I just made oh, thought. Okay. I just changed my theory. Um. Okay. So what the part I find interesting is the that pivotal moment where everything turns. So mm-hmm. she has puts a ball in his hand, and yeah. basically as soon as he passes out, he would let go of the ball. And the ball mm-hmm. would shatter, right? But yeah. instead, this guy like gripped it to the point where like he wouldn't let it go, mm-hmm. and um, she was like, "Fuck this shit, I'm done." I think that's when she realized this guy was basically trying to kill himself. Yeah. Um, but not really kill himself. Like he was willing to go as far as it took, and if he died mm-hmm. in the process, he died in the process. Right. Like, he was beginning to disassociate, and she was trying to get out of that. So she didn't want to be a part of that. That's why she was like, no, no, fuck this. I'm done. Like, this is over. I'm done. Because she realized the attraction at first could have easily been um, she's enjoying what he wants to get her to do. Because he's, because, you know, he's like, she she does some pretty, you know, hardcore stuff. But like, he's, and, and you know, she misjudges him at first because he just feels like, okay, okay, this, this fucking perfect this doctor dork with glasses, wherever the fuck, you know, like he's probably pretty vanilla. He just wants to be whipped a little bit or something like that, you know, but she really quickly learns like, Oh no, this, this guy's going to let me do like some really hardcore shit that I usually don't do for people. Like she probably doesn't get a lot of people like being asphyxiated, you know, with plastic bags and shit. That's probably not the norm. It's probably like, well, yeah, it's probably definitely exciting for her. Yeah. And different. And I do think she has a level of kink that, because she's always living to herself with everybody, so this is like mm-hmm. a guy that she can kind of go further with. 
So yeah. it might be why she's interested or intrigued. Or she just enjoys the kink. Like she enjoys how he responds to her. I, f- so, I feel like you're I feel like you're right there. Like I like I feel like he's the first person she's run into that has allowed her to like fully kind of explore what she wants to explore and without any shame or any like, you know, unacceptance. Because he's he's open basically to anything. Mm-hmm. Like he, she might not at the at the time realize that oh yeah he's he's got some real problems going on he he doesn't necessarily care if he lives or dies as, as long as he can get to that spot again. So I think you know when she realizes that and she's like oh shit I got to pull back but at, at first she's like this is this guy is going to be my fucking play toy and he's going to let me do all the things I've wanted to do. Yeah, she and probably so just that, being able to explore with him like just what mm. he does so there's that connection and i also i just think that there's something with her where she has to always like she's always healing people she's taking care of people and doing all that stuff mm-hmm. and i think she has this like weird kink of wanting to go further like taking the pain further like one step further and she's never able to yeah. so she's basically telling this guy like whenever he almost dies at her place She's basically like, fuck you. You want to come back? Like, I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to Mm. hurt you to the point of, like, everything. And I think that's that moment where she finally gets to explore that side, like, go that far. Mm -hmm. Because, like, when she pulled that tooth, like, even if she was doing it to to punish him as uh, you're a fucking asshole, like, there was a level of, like, she was enjoying that. Oh, there's... there's great enjoying that. There's... uh in that scene as graphic as it is and like in any other movie this would be like torture porn or something like that right yeah there there is a real intimacy between the two characters there like she is pulling a tooth out of his fucking face but at the same time she's cognizant of like which tooth um you know like she's being very careful to be like exact in what she's doing there is a level of care there where she is actually you know attracted to him you even see like at the end there where he leaves the apartment before she comes back she's got the dress that she would wear for him and she's ready like let's fuck so she wants the relationship and you know but he's but you know and you know, unfortunately he he leaves before she comes back with the dress and shit but but yeah there there there's a there's an actual connection there between the two an intimate connection and like they actually care for each other they it's both very... realize there's this this part of them that's broken like they're just uh-huh. Because well, I guess she's also, you can tell she's very disassociated with all her other clients, right? Whether yeah. it's the clients that the that she's helping um, rehabilitate or it's the clients that are in kink mode. Like, she's very disassociated with all of them. I think this is the first time where she's felt, like, some sort of connection with somebody. And yeah. you can tell, like, when she lost... Um, by the way, that scene where she drinks that water bottle... Where she's going to pee on the dude with the... Can- or is it a dude Wait, or, or a girl? I can't remember. I can't, you can't even really... Is it? Okay. Yeah. Um, but her drinking that water bottle, that scene where she had to drink the water bottle, that actress who was drinking that water bottle, like that scene I hope was just done once because oh, God damn yeah. it. That made me uncomfortable. I hope there were like, no, uh, yes, you're right there. I, I hope there were she, no other takes because you know, she, she'd have to be like throwing that water up, right? Because, man. Because like, yeah. I, I drink a lot of water. And I mm-hmm. know I've had those moments where I'm so thirsty and I could easily chug a bottle like that. But, like, 
I don't think she was as thirsty as like the advocate. Unless she was. Unless she's like, fuck this. I'm going to make sure I'm really thirsty so I can do this. But yeah, it's definitely she, like, once that bottle's done, it's done. <laughs> so for the people listening who haven't seen the movie, she goes into the club for one of her clients. And the, uh, you know, like the, the desk person at the club or whatever tells her, oh, I filled up some water bottles for you. It's like, so, okay, so she's down there, and then we, we cut to a scene of her drinking, like, what, like a 750 or a liter water bottle, maybe maybe more, maybe a liter and a half water bottle, just all in one take, just sucking it down. And then we're like, okay, why is she doing this? Oh, right, right, she has peed on people before. Like, there's the scene where she pees on the dude's arm or whatever, you know. Um, so we see this naked obese gentleman strapped to the floor with all the candles <laughs> all the candles on his back melted down his back and he is in pain he is writhing in pain with these melted wax candles is like leaking over him and the whole thing is she's to pee on it and put the candles out, but she's so, like, off her game because of this dude, because of our protagonist, Juha, she can't bring herself to pee on the guy. Even so she has, water. Yeah, so she has to put him out with her hands, and, yeah, that, that's a scene. That's, that's not every movie you see that shit. Um, that actually takes me to one of my questions, though, also I wanted to ask you, because I was kind of thinking about this, and being a really vanilla guy, and I know you're much more kinky than I am, and you have more connection with uh, people in these cultures, you just have more exposure to these cultures than I do. Do you feel like in any point that this movie kind of depicts BDSM in a negative way? Do you feel like the movie at any point kind of slips up and kind of says, oh, you know, kind of goes with the tropes of, Oh, they're in BDSM because they're damaged and not normal, uh, you know, in, in a general sense of, like, general culture. Like, are, oh, they have emotional trauma and mental illness, so they they run to BDSM. Do you feel like this movie kind of, like, does that? Because I, I personally I don't, was, but... I think there was that th something like this could have been a very fine line of offensive. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like it is, because especially... Well, one, there's always that respect for each other because mm -hmm. yeah like every moment there was never anything that was over the top where you felt uncomfortable like yeah obviously watching the guys get tooth pulled out that was extreme but yeah. even after watching it like he was she was um pulling and he was saying stop 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 and she's like what and he's like oh you have the wrong tooth yeah there, 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 was, there was always consent involved it's this and when you think about all these other movies where they have this weird romantic relationship where they're both damaged, mm -hmm. they're usually predicted, 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 uh, depicted, wow, with like alcohol or drugs or physical abuse or something like that. This yeah. was not at all. And it was whole time was like, yeah, it was extreme, but they were very respectful towards each other. It was... My my thought on it, and I think I think you you hit the nail on the head. Honestly, it's like yeah, they're not drug addicts. They're not you know they're they're not they're not depicted as being from bad backgrounds or anything like that. They both it's have just, they're just respectful jobs. Yeah, they're just 
they're just sad, lonely people who connect through this this subculture. Yeah. Like, yeah, they, they, they find realize, they find themselves in this, and they realize that, like he realizes that chasing this uh, feeling that he has for his wife is dangerous, mm-hmm. and she realizes that she's trying to help him attain this level and then she realizes dangerous so it's i like they they both wake up to like holy fuck we need to smarten up but they're still a part of that kink community like because yes. they meet up again at the kink bar and it's right. because yes they do enjoy this but they also understand like they have to like he's now more he's accepted that mm-hmm. his wife is gone and he's moving on from this was used as a way to connect with his wife to this is just kinky now like this yeah this is just this is just me being happy and being alive so it's kind of like this awakening this thing that like everybody mourns differently everybody um deals with tragedy differently Mm -hmm. and this was his way like this was his thing and when you think about it this is like nowhere near as terrible as someone like basically destroying their lives with um other activities or other things, right? Like reckless right. behavior. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And whoever people are, whatever they do, whenever you're in a bad mindset, I don't see it. Like I just see people being a little bit more reckless, and then realizing it and be able to come back. Versus like they create a whole world of chaos and tragedy around them. Right. Like because I always think like the biggest thing for me when I see these movies, like when you think about it, it's usually someone who gets like some sort of drug, like starts some sort of drug and then addiction mm-hmm. goes crazy and then they become abusive and then they become violent and all this sort of stuff. That never happens in this movie. Yeah. There's not a drug related anything. There's not a chaotic mess. There's nothing. It's just two people who understand that they're fucked up or that something's going on and that they help each other and understand through this like same language that they speak in like right. their sexual context. Right. They they just kind of like it it just takes them a while to realize that they're they're connected on that level and like they need each other kind of thing. Yeah. Like yeah, I, I, he, I he realizes that he's taking it too far. Mm-hmm. He very much realizes cuz when she's like I'm not helping you kill yourself. And right. I think that's kind of like that eye-opening moment for him being like holy fuck, like what am I doing? And then right. that's after that, like he reconnects with, he tries, he tries to reconnect with his daughter. And there's that beautiful yeah. moment when he hugs his daughter at the end. And it's not saying that they fixed the relationship, but it's showing that he's now trying to rebuild his life again. Like he's, he's, he's not, yeah, he's, he's come out of the bubble. Like he, yeah, he's, he's not he's, focused on chasing that thought. He's not focused yeah. on chasing a memory. He's now focused on the future. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, very well put. Um, I think, I think the BDSM in this is treated like incredibly frankly and like with a lot of respect. It it feels like to me because, like I I've seen plenty of movies in my time where there's BDSM and it, it's either like a a visual joke or a thematic joke or. You know, it's it's done in a way to be off-putting and transgressive on purpose, and I don't think that's ever done in this movie. Like, I I think this movie is just very frank and matter of fact. It's like this is what they do, and I feel like 
giving you a look into this world. It's when the boundaries of this world are skirted that we get the thriller horror elements from the characters. Like like we're saying, like the, you know, Juha's going too far. Like he, he he's pushing this out of the boundaries of this this kind of subculture, this world. I think the BDSM in this is really, even coming from a vanilla outsider like me, it's really well done. Like, it, it feels very authentic. And, you know, the shocking scenes, not, they're not shocking to me at all. They, they might be the shocking to, like, the most fucking conservative cavemen who ever existed watching this for the first time. But it's like, I've, I've seen way worse in many a movie, like, 20 years ago. But this movie is not an exploitation movie of the BDSM cultures. The kind of what I'm trying to sum up here. It's it, it's not sleazy. It it's it's not our protagonist becoming a mad killer and starts like knifing hookers and shit. Like that would be the 1980s grindhouse version of this or whatever. Where oh he lost his wife and now he's got to he's got to like kill hookers to get off or something like that. Like. It's not any of that at all. This this movie very much cares about its characters. It cares about the subculture it's talking about, and it's incredibly respectful of it, like in a way that you don't really see on film all that often. I agree. I think um, it's using something as a way to heal. Mm-hmm. And yes, it got extreme, but it never went outside of that. Like, yeah, there's that you can see again. Uh, he disassociates and he's chasing something, so he's mm-hmm. no longer paying attention to the people around him. So he is creating um, a conflict with his work and his daughter. Right. But there's nothing ever the bad that happens with them. Like he pushes himself away. But he's never abusive to them. He's never mean towards them. He's never like. I think like, the worst. These... The worst you could say is neglect, neglectful to his daughter. Yeah, but, like he yeah. does everything he needs to do. Like obviously, she has food on her uh, food, and she has uh, clothes on her back and a roof over her head. So she's still being taken care of. But in an emotional sense, he's very distant. He put distant. He pushes her away. Mm-hmm. And this, because. All the other movies, when you see this, think about how they usually associate with, like, an addiction with ruining everything. So being extremely abusive emotionally, physically, whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. and just disappearing and never coming back. Like, yeah, he did a lot of things that were um, noticeable for someone who's grieving and somebody who's trying to um, recover. But... It's never to the point where he harms people around him. Yeah. Yes, he hurts his daughter, but it's never an extreme damaging permanent anything. It's definitely like things that you can rectify and fix. And you see and at the end where he's like, I'm a scumbag, I'm an asshole, I'm ignoring you. I've been ignoring you. Yeah. Like it's just. And he he hugs her and, you know, she she's being a teenager she pushes him away, but like not even terribly. She laughs about it. Like it's she does it's very lighthearted. La- yeah, and you know, and he's almost in tears because you know he's he's back there. He's reconnecting with her and shit. But like I I, I got to say like so, uh, Ilona Huta as Ellie. She she hasn't had a lot of credits or anything like that, and I think it's unfortunate because she's really good in this. 
like, she might not she, want to continue to. I guess that must be the thing, like, because she's really good. She comes off as a real teenage girl, like like a 15, 16-year-old girl or whatever she's supposed to be at this point. She's both growing up really fast. Like, she's got those little hints of maturity and togetherness. Also being, you know, a, a, a single child, you know, basically with a single parent and having to, like, you know, kind of become the woman of the house in a way. She's got to be more self-reliant and all that. But at the same time, all those insecurities are there too, right? She's still full of insecurities. Like, the she takes the stud out of her tongue because... She gets made fun of for having it by some of the boys. She, which, by the way, tongue piercings are painful. Mm-hmm. And she was showing it off and playing with it the next day. And the girl said, "Like I couldn't even talk the next day. Your tongue's swollen and it's bruised, and like you can show people." I was fine. Like my piercer told me, I don't have my tongue pierced anymore, but my piercer told me when I got mine done. She's like, the next day, talking's going to suck, eating's going to suck. Because um, your tongue swells up. Mm-hmm. Next day, I was talking and eating fine. Like, it didn't bother me. But uh, I had to eat slowly, for one. Mm-hmm. And you could tell, my tongue had this, like, massive bruise on it. And it was still okay. swollen. So, I didn't swell up as much as the average person. But, like, you're still not sticking your tongue out, showing people the next day. Because, like it's it's sensitive as fuck like i'm saying me who was not nearly as bad as the rest of the people so even though i didn't swell up as bad i was still being ultra cautious because even when i tried to stick it out or do something silly like there's a fresh fucking wound on your tongue <laughs> so when she would just casually was like yeah and like playing with it i was like no 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 that is not a fresh uh, piercing that's not, i know it's for the movie mm, i do understand uh, but when the girl made a comment and she was just casually able to show it. I was like, that would never happen. <laughs> hey, no, these 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 Finnish girls are just built differently. It's just like, you know, all they need is a weekend for them to be good. It's like the 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 dad makes some makes some fucking bacon and eggs. Like, here you go. Your tongue's not too sensitive, is it? No, she's she's like, no, it's okay, but I'm vegan. So like what what are you doing here? <laughs> I thought that was funny. Um eating, but yet, eating does suck. Uh Mm-hmm. I didn't have that hard of a time, but I did have to eat slower because you didn't want to move the, the bar too much. But um, Right, right. But, <laughs> yeah, anyways, uh, that, that's all I want to say because I used to yeah, yeah. that. Like she, and then she takes it out. I was like, you just went through all that pain. You just take it out again. Uh, yeah, but, you know, that's that's kind of something a teenager might do, too, at the same time, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree because it's very, like, you don't have that ability to self-control as much as like an adult does so i could totally see that speak speaking of the piercing though i was more interested in like so like uh juta's uh, co-worker at the hospital is a gay man mm-hmm. and he he starts talking sort of passive aggressively to juta about like oh you allowed your daughter to get like a tongue piercing Man, you're being too permissive. It, it's it's gonna it's gonna like stunt her uh, her growth and stuff. Like I had a boyfriend who got a piercing on his dick, and that didn't turn out very well. Uh, I was like, what is this conversation? <laughs> it was the the whole idea of like once you get a piercing, it's a gateway piercing. Oh, okay, whole, like the. 
the joke of uh, or the the comment of like, oh, tongue piercing means blowjobs. You're gonna become a whore. Um, what, what did he say? The pet name for the piercing on the dude's dick was Fagogetto or something like that. I don't like, remember. What the fuck? But the way it came off of was like, oh, as soon as you get one piercing, like now you're gonna become full and you're gonna become delusional and or not delusional, uh, deranged and fucking mm-hmm. psychotic. Because yeah, I remember. I remember getting my first piercing. I was 19. Um, I had my ears pierced because that's like Italian tradition is to get your ears pierced at a young age. Oh, yeah. Like you're born and you're basically, your ears are pierced. Um, which, by the way, I'm very against. Yes. But, do, not, do not mutilate uh, your children. No, they can wait. Wait till they're older enough to get it. And if you're going to get it done, get it done properly. Don't, 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 done don't, guns. don't cut into their dicks. Don't pierce into their ears. Yeah. And if you're going to do it, do it properly. Get a proper te- a proper piercer to do it. Don't do the guns. The guns are terrible. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of infections because I have them from them. Anyways. Um, so I got my first piercing. I got my nose done. When I was 19. I remember coming home. And I got it done. And my God, my mom freaked out. Like, just lost. <laughs> like, what are you doing to your face when are you gonna come yeah you're gonna put one in like here and there and do this and blah 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 like even if i did who cares mm-hmm. like i'm not saying i have i i have more piercings than the average person i have four piercings on my face and um i am a perfectly respectable person who is going to school and i still am treated professionally so yeah. like <laughs> the piercings did not change me yeah, no. Uh, I've, I've known you for a few years, and the entire time I've known you, you've had two rings in your nose, and uh, I'm always like, yeah, no, this is Lee. Whatever. You have two rings and two eyebrows, and when I yeah, don't wear them, eyebrows, notice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I used to have, so I used to have my Monroe done, and I used to have my tongue pierced, and then I had a nose and eyebrow, single nose and single eyebrow, I never had double at the same time, when those are the other two. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, <laughs> Unfortunately, math, mouth piercings really fuck up your teeth, so I got rid of those ones. I'm uh, just yeah, double yeah. up the other ones instead. Yeah, you don't want to, and you don't want to fuck up your oral health because that can fuck up the rest of your health real bad. If, if you, you could, to, I remember taking it out the, the day I took it out. I could feel like the back of my gum, like getting soft, and uh, there was like that little bit of, like you could just feel it. You could just feel something was wrong, and I was like, oh, mm-hmm. this has got to go. I can't keep doing this. And yeah. you could see people, you know, those feel like the chipped teeth in the front because mm-hmm. of the piercing. Yeah, I was like, no, no. I, I, can't I do just that. got a, I just got a chip tooth in my front because of. Eh. I had mine. I got mine fixed. Yeah, I need to get mine fixed. I, it's been years. I, I had a really bad. Oh, I shouldn't say really bad. I know there's people with worse, but I had this one chip tooth that was like driving me crazy, and I got it fixed. Um, it felt really good. So do it. Get your teeth fixed. You have benefits. Get them done. Yeah. I don't know. I'm starting to get used to it almost, but, you know, I do need to get fixed so it doesn't really It's other good problems. for, like, future problems, though. Like, you yeah, want to... Yeah. yeah. Anyways. <laughs> anyway. We're on a um, teeth conversation. Well, yeah, anyway. We talk about p- pulling teeth, so... Anyway, dogs don't wear pants. I think we're both on the same page here that this is... It's a great movie. Pretty great movie, yeah. I, it, I was re-watching it. Um, it is a little bit slow going, so, like, action-wise, all that kind of stuff, if you're like me... It might be mm-hmm. um, harder to stay entertained by, but I do think that the story itself and um, how, like, the acting and all that kind of stuff, it does keep you intrigued. 
it's so, a, it's the subject matter is like super enthralling. Like and also just like again, like it's not exploitive, so I think they're very respectful because like you could have easily went nuts on this one. You could leave oh, yeah. these people with like mental illness and this is like they, weird. They there was could've... nothing weird about the BDSM. Even the weirdest parts, like it was just beautifully done. There was Well, it was just so matter of fact about it. It was just like, oh, she can't she can't piss on the dude with the candles on his back because she's thinking too much about this guy who wants her to like beat him almost to death as, as long as as long as he can get uh, asphyxiated afterwards it's like there's a lot going on in this film but it's so well done and so well paced and yeah it's it uh, it works really well which works, works yeah. really really well it works um, it, yeah I know yeah. we've been talking about this movie forever. It's a great movie. It is a great movie. Watch this movie, people. Watch it. Do it. Yeah, because it it didn't get a lot of like eyes on it. Like when it came out, COVID kind of killed it. See it theatrical run. Um, the budget estimated for this is one point four million euros. Uh, the only box office I got for it was like. $19.8,000, something like that. And, like, I don't know where that comes from. I think that was just kind of, like, initial box office before it, like, got kind of killed by Corona for a while. And then Shudder picked it up. I feel like Shudder probably paid them enough that they probably made good on it eventually kind of thing. But, I mean, honestly, more people need to see it. And... You know, if if you have any, if you, especially if you have interest, if you, if you are a person who's like in the kink community, hard in, in a much more extreme way, like if if you, if you either of us, because both yeah. of us really realistically, both of us are very vanilla. Like when it comes to this kind of stuff, like my my borderline of any of this is straight up like I, I touch I, am... I touch it with the tip of my toe in the lightest manner possible, <laughs> I, and then the rest I, is just. <laughs> I am so I am so vanilla that I'm vanilla without any flavor, and Lee is like vanilla with a little touch of caramel in there, maybe. I have like maybe. a chocolate chip thrown on top. <laughs> there you go. That's what it is. Yeah. So like like honestly, anyone listening who is like actually a an actual kinkster who was like, yeah, I, I'm, I go to the BDSM clubs and Hey, I mean, honestly, even our friend Greg should watch this and just let us know, like, Hey, what did you think of this? Um, I would love, love to experience a club like that. I want to go to a club like that. That club would... feels a little unrealistic. It feels like let what every kink we can think of that happens. There at are this places. Club. Though, though there's are places like that. And oh, okay. I would love to go there. I need to do this at least once in my lifetime. It looks I just need pretty. To become a dominatrix, it, like fuck it, my career. It, Let's just become a dominatrix. Uh, I don't know. You work too hard for the, your career, so. But I mean, <laughs> but at the same, but at the same time, yes, the club looks a lot of fun because, like, he gets in there at first. It's a little awkward for him, but you know, he sits down at the bar, has a drink, looks next to him at the fat old guy who's sitting at the bar, who's just like, "Hey, what's going on, bro?" 
And uh, then we cut to a shot of like he's had several fruity drinks because he's had they all came with an umbrella and there's like like ten umbrellas on the bar. It's like oh he's got himself piped. And the star fruit. Yeah. I and then the star fruit on the drink. <laughs> yeah. And then then he starts dancing and he has fun and like. And, Everyone in in that scene seems to be dancing to a different song, and that, and, that old guy that sits beside him on the bar, who's totally yeah. naked, he's this like older, like bigger guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just, I I don't know who, so, where they found her, how they described this person for like casting, but I loved it. It made this so comfy. Yeah, yeah, it just made this perfectly like this is this is how it should be like this is what i loved about this movie is that even the 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 random girl that he hooks up with the girl has like an average body there's nothing about it that's super fit super toned nothing like Mm -hmm. it's just an average body she's stunning she looks beautiful yeah but she doesn't have like all this fanciness of like having to starve herself for like constantly exercise like she just looks like the average person like i mean i think it's so beautiful even uh even mona like when she's out of her fetish gear she just looks like average brunette i mean she's a she's an a very attractive woman but she's still like you know average brunette girl basically it's like this it's all this weird um fantasized version of people it's like a realistic version it 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 does not fetishize the people in BDSM, like no, and the guy is sitting at the bar is what you would get. You would get this kicky old guy mm-hmm. <laughs> who's like, I want to be spanked. I want to be like crawled around. I want to do stuff. And he's sitting at the bar and he says, "Hey to the guy next to him." Mm-hmm. And I thought it was such a beautiful moment. Like, it just I, I don't mean, know what it was. You, I just it was a pretty even, personal pick. Even at the end, when Juha gets like that big smile on his face when he sees Mona, he's still got the tooth out. He's still accepted, and like there's, and in all the leather daddies and stuff he's dancing with, there's a couple old, old, yeah. you know, not not quite in shape dudes dancing there too. It's fine. I loved it. I actually, yeah. lo- I loved all the people that they had. Like they used proper people who probably go to the clubs. Yeah, yeah. Like this, so, what you, you know. Expect. Yeah, so that's that's why I want I want to know like if if there happens to be within like the hundred or so people who listen to this podcast on the regular, like if any of you are like you know fetish club goers who like you know maybe go to like some kinkster places some or leather have been. or have been yeah at some point whatever have you seen this movie what do you think about how it's depicted you know like i'm I'm really interested in knowing if this movie because it feels like to me like so respectful and so in touch and like wanting to present the whole community in a very positive matter and and you and not fall into those tropes of like oh these damaged people are all deranged sex fiends and shit I feel like this movie is really trying to do that, and I just I, I kind of want like to know from the sort of kink community. That's why I kind of wanted Daniel on this podcast. He couldn't make it, unfortunately. But you know, he, Daniel, he, watch the movie and tell us. Yes, please let us know because because Daniel, you know, he he skirts that even more than we do. Like he he's even he's even more he he's even less vanilla than you are. Let's put it that way. And um, he's got chocolate syrup on his ice cream. He does a little bit of, <laughs> a little bit of chocolate syrup got in there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, like caramel, he mixes mm-hmm. some sprinkles. <laughs> some sprinkles on there. Some sprinkles. Um, it's still yeah. vanilla, but definitely more decorated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, but yeah, yeah, no, this is this is good stuff. Uh, people should watch it. And uh, I mean, if you, if you want to watch it, it's on iTunes, Amazon Prime, Vudu, DVD, and Canadian and uh, U.S. Shutter. So uh, you can find it there. And I don't have any trivia for this because there was that's okay because no... we talked a lot about this movie. We did. <laughs> we we got we got a lot into it. So um, next time is next episode three hundred. Lady Lee. Does that mean this was a prime number? We need Daniel to tell us if that's Jesus a prime number or not. Stop with that. <laughs> um, yeah, just, that? yeah, just stop with that. Um, no. Okay. Keep the tradition alive. Oh, you're just gonna he's gonna beat me with with that. Uh, yeah. Um, never mind. Uh, but Lady Lee, yes. what are we doing for episode three hundred? You should announce this. <laughs> All right, so Lee wanted to do something special for episode 300, and I suggested um, we do Ghost Beaver Kick because it was a movie that I was in, and it is <laughs> it's a ridiculous movie. It's a short film. Mm-hmm. It's like totally amateur <laughs> and local. But uh, I thought it'd be fun to do something just entirely over the top and ridiculous as our 300. So, yeah, we're doing Ghost Beaver Kick. Yeah. I'll have to tag my director and be like, hey, (laughs) you have to listen to this podcast now. (laughs) I mean, I mean, if he's available, he can show up as far as I'm concerned. But I can ask him. I don't know if he has time, but I could definitely ask him. If he doesn't have time or if he just wants to, like, throw a bunch of, like, notes your way or whatever as well to talk about it, it uh, that would also be great. You but, can give um, us some insight. Yeah. There's, but, you know. There's moments. There's moments. There's, okay, there's going to be one moment that we're going to watch, and I'll tell you when. But my director, <laughs> he, he apologized because mm-hmm. we were filming in, like, the cold, some of the coldest days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he apologized to me after he edited the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to talk about that. We should have, a, at the very least, one special guest on, on the podcast. Uh, who's supposed to be on tonight? Gary was Gary Hill from Cinema Beef was going to be on tonight, but then he had to pull it the last minute. He was, like, asking me, like, hey, you doing anything tonight? He's like, yeah, we're doing uh, this movie. He's like, all right, yeah, I'll, I'll check it out. And then kind of ran into a situation like you did. He ran into some friends earlier in the day, and this is like, I'm going to get caught up drinking and i i, I can't didn't get caught the... up drinking i just got caught up with like i couldn't make yeah no but you know, you know what i mean he, he got caught up with friends and he yeah, couldn't, he couldn't make it so you know <laughs> we should have him back for uh, ghost beaver kick uh that'll be a lot of fun and um lady lee where can people find you on the interwebs um <laughs> currently nowhere <laughs> <laughs> I am currently in the process of uh, switching my social medias around. So uh, whenever I get the chance, I will update you guys. That yeah, that's that's actually uh, that's actually uh, prudent because uh, she has to be a little less public on the internet as, 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 under her real name. So uh, yeah, she needs to figure some stuff out. But um, yeah, you can find us at tmbdos.podbean.com. You can find all of our. Uh, other episodes there and if you want to find us on facebook to interact with us and uh, talk to us give us movie requests and all that stuff they must be destroyed on site on facebook free to join 
not a lot goes on there, just like mostly just reposting of episodes and, and stuff like that, so you can find them, but, you know, if that's the place to, like, leave comments and uh, interact with us, give us movie requests, you know, f for us to do, we'll get to them in, like, three years' time, like we usually do, or whatever, um, but yeah, that's what we do, and uh, until then, when we get to episode 300... Thank you, Lady Lee. Thank, thank you. Yeah, thank you all for listening. And we will be back when we're back. Goodbye. Bye. on the downs and little white clouds like a gambling lens and I am a breathless over you and the red-breasted robin beats his wings as a throat it trembles when he sings for he is a helpless before you and the happy hood and bluebells bow and the bend of their heads all down a heavy by the early morning dew At the whispering stream At the bubbling brook The fishes leap up to take a look For they are breathless over you Still your hands, still your heart Still your face comes shining through And all the morning glows in you Still your mind, still your soul, for still the fire of the love is true, and I am a breathless without you. circles among the trees and it bangs about the new made leaves for it is a breathless without you and the fox chases the rabbit around and the rabbit hides beneath the ground for he is defenseless without you the sky of daytime dies away and all the earthly things they stop to play for we are all breathless without you i listen to my jordan bones and the blood in my veins the wind in my lungs and i am a breathless without you still your hands still your heart but still your face comes shining through and all the Still your soul, still your mind, for still the fire of love is true, and I am a breathless without. You. 
You've been listening to TMB DOS. They must be destroyed on site. For further episodes of this podcast, please go to tmbdos.podbean.com. We're also on Apple Podcasts and pretty much any podcatcher that you can find. Thank you. Drive through.